Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The research shows that just by changing your posture and how you breathe, you can have a major improvement with issues such as anxiety, depression, ADHD, chronic pain, and even insomnia. Today, I'm interviewing world-renowned expert, researcher, and author, Dr. Eric Pepper, to explain just how this works and, as always, bringing you practical tools to make the changes you want in your life. As you know, I don't do interviews often, but I couldn't pass up the opportunity to bring you the research straight from the source today. Eric Pepper, PhD, is an international authority on biofeedback and self-regulation and professor of holistic health studies at San Francisco State University. He's president of the Biofeedback Foundation of Europe and the past president of the Association for Applied, (laughs) I'm going to say this correctly, Psychophysiology and Biofeedback and has been a recipient of their Distinguished Scientist Award in recognition of his outstanding career and scientific contributions. He's authored numerous articles and books, and his most recent book called Tech Stress, How Technology is Hijacking Our Lives and Strategies for Coping, it's a game changer. I love this book. So get ready for a great conversation with tons of education and practical tools and tips. As you know, I'm excited. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven. With over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy, and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships, which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily 
to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I am so, so, so excited today. And you know, I get all fangirl and and into it. I interview people very rarely here on the podcast because they have to be the best of the best or or you know me, it's just me talking about the research. So today I'm bringing you, as I said in the introduction, one of the truly world-renowned, great, amazing people and someone I've called friend and colleague for many years. I've sent so many clients to this man. He has done literally magic with them. Uh, I'm very happy to have to talk to, we're going to go real deep today, get ready and welcome Dr. Eric Pepper. It's so good to have you here, Eric. Well, Abby, what a pleasure to see you. And what is so impressive with me, because we I'm seeing you on Zoom, yeah. although everyone is listening on the podcast. Yes. It is that you are expressing your emotions in your body as you're talking. Tell me, because some people see this on YouTube. So go. Because by, if we forget that our body also talks to our brain. Historically, we think almost from psychology, you know, the psychologist takes you from the neck up. And mm-hmm. so it's the neurologist, the physician takes you from the neck down. I know it's exaggerated. And the clergy may take anything that floats around. <laughs> and, the, and so does the, and then if the social worker takes it interconnections. In fact, they're never separate. Mm. And what we have forgotten or often unaware of, that thoughts, emotions affect body. That is what everyone knows. That's why we do cognitive therapy mm-hmm. and all this work or mindfulness training. But what we really haven't paid much emphasis on is how body goes back up the same way and really affects our thoughts and emotions. It's a two-way street. And the moment you change your body, you will change your thoughts and emotions and the quality of tone. It is just like when you're tired, you know, you feel bored, and then somebody pulls you outside and you look outside and, and you're walking a bit. All of a sudden, your mood changes. And I just saw this yesterday in my class. I was teaching at San Francisco State. I teach a class on holistic health, which I really love. And I had a guest speaker who looks at at nature. So she took the students out of the classroom. They were outside. She guided them on on the campus for a moment. And they all came back in with a smile. And normally students, I think they like me. (laughs) You know, they sit there, they quickly go to their cell phone, and now they were smiling. We forget the critical part that when we have those interbody mind connection, we do much better. And you know, and one of the themes which we have done more recently over the last few years is that we have forgotten and we are becoming aware of it, how much our breathing may impact our emotions or how our thoughts affect our breathing patterns, which we're unaware of, mm. and how our posture affects it. We know our posture. Your mother probably told you sit up at least my mother always did because (laughs) i'm almost now six foot two and then i would be slouching and she would say sit up i had no idea one that i was slouching (laughs) because i'm totally unaware of it Mm -hmm. and two that well you know it's just my mother talking let's be honest i would (laughs) want to you know she was right Mm. the whole part of posture and it's a bad word to use it's really a sense of directionality you're going upward and expansive affects mm. your emotions and what you do. And I thought maybe I should start with this with a little exercise with people. Oh, I love it. Get ready, people. Let's have a little you know, exercise. And there are many ways we can do this, right? Okay. But if you 
This only do this. Don't do it while driving, by the way. But if you're on on, a, on on public transportation, you can do it. Or if you're sitting at home, do do the practice. What you do is just for a moment adapt a slouching posture. So you slouch. You're looking down. You know, you're sort of your body's a little old curl forward. You're in the letter C. And once you're in this posture, now only evoke hopeless, helpless, powerless, defeated memories, one after the other. Just for an instant, evoke the hopeless, helpless, powerless memories. If one comes up, let it go, evoke another one, and keep doing this. I'll, I won't be too quiet because we're on the air, but as I keep evoking these, and you would do this for about 30 seconds or so. Just do it and keep doing it, evoking this hopeless, helpless memories. Now, without changing position, Stay the same slouched way. Now evoke only optimistic and empowering memories. So now in this slouched position, looking down, evoke only optimistic and empowering memories. Keep evoking the memories, the optimistic, power, empowering memories. I'll keep talking as we are on in, in voice, evoking the optimistic, empowering mm -hmm. memories. And now just stop doing that. Now sit up, really sort of arch up. You know, maybe you want your knees to be sliding apart. If your hands, let your palms be up on your lap so you really are open. Look up, you know, look slightly upwards, you know, and just sit in that position. And now while looking upward in this kind of more open, expanded position, evoke only hopeless, helpless, powerless, defeated memories, one after the other. Don't change your position. Keep looking up and being open. So you're evoking the helpless, <coughs> helpless, helpless, defeated memories. Keep okay. doing that. Keep evoking those memories. And again, we would normally do this for 30 seconds, but for the podcast, I'll make it a little bit shorter. And so now in the same position, still looking up, evoke the optimistic and empowering memories. Hmm. Just start pulling those up all the one after the other. Just pull them up, the optimistic, empowering, positive memories, and just do that. Then just experience that. And just mm. do that. Keep evoking the optimistic and empowering memories. That feels good. I think that's probably enough for now. <laughs> we can take it longer. But now I can ask you the question, what did you experience? How, oh, which, yeah. position, which position was it easier to evoke the hopeless? Oh, definitely when I'm curled under. And actually, as I was down, I had a hard time with the positive one. I had a hard time thinking of anything. By the time it was done, I, I don't think I, I had a hard time thinking of something. I thought of one thing. And, and, and which was position was it slightly easier to evoke the optimistic number? Oh, as soon as I had my, you know, my head, it actually, I took, I realized I took a deep breath in because it felt good. I was like, ah. Like, oh, yeah. And it was so easy to think of. I, I, I thought of my kid. I thought of all kinds of things. And I was wondering why I couldn't think of those when I was, when I was down because they were right there. Well, if you think this is really what you're observing, is that we found with more than 90, 95% of people. Wow. It's so clear. So that you can almost do this in a, in a small group with your family, and they'll experience that the being slouched, collapsed, really puts almost a limit on, suppresses the ability in a way to access these positive, optimistic thoughts. That's one. 
Oh. And the second is that when you're down, it, it is as if it allows these spots that the hopeless, helpless past memories to start flooding up. Yeah. And if you look at the brain, in fact, which we did do, you look at the, the electroencephalograph, you see in the downward position, your brain has to work significantly harder the EED changes to evoke positive memories instead of being in the opposition. Wow. It's, also, if you have kids who have attention deficit disorder mm -hmm. and have a lot of theta, EEG theta, which is a slowing wave, then you see when they are collapsed, they have, they, it's much easier to have theta on, which can be more disruptive for them. If they're up and looking up, and in this up, upper empowering position, they have less theta, so they can think clearer. Oh. And it's most impressive, you know. And then when you wow. look, you know, and now the question is, well, it's a fun exercise, let's uh -huh. be honest. I, I love but it. What is the lesson? But what is the lesson for that? So how often don't you go get home, you feel low energy after work, mm -hmm. and then what do you do? You sit on the couch, you watch Netflix or some other streaming program, or you, almost everybody who sits in front of the computer mm. is slouching and sitting like this. And by the end of the day, they're exhausted and tired and they have less energy. All of a sudden, wait a minute, if I can now interrupt myself, become aware when I'm slouching, and I'll come back to that in a moment, and they can shift and look up, they'll have more energy by the end of the day. Wow. And if you're watching television, and I've done this for myself, by the way, <clears> you know, <throat> when I sit next to my wife or so, then on the couch, you know, the couch makes me slouch. I have no choice. So now what I do is I have a little pillow I put in my mid-back, but just above my kidneys. Oh. I put my bottom all the way in the couch. And now I can sit in, a, in this more upper position and my energy just goes up. So now, just sitting at home, people could just yeah. use a lumbar pillow. I actually have one back there. You can see yeah, it in I my see video. Because when I meditate, I have that behind me. So it's easier to be in kind of an open position. Because I noticed, yes, I, I, it's too hard to sit the way you I want to keep sit. Yourself up the and and I don't want to be rigid, exactly. And this just makes it so much easier. So I have a little pillow. So that's one thing people can do. No matter what you're doing, you can put this little lumbar right right there. Your and then you put your bottom all the way back. And, and your bottom back. Yeah, I do that there. Yep. And then you can almost lean back and let yourself just rest. And by definition, almost, if your palms are more up in that way, if you think about it, mm -hmm. you automatically are open. More expansive. Uh-huh. And you can see why for some people this could be difficult because, I mean, I see our students often who have anxiety that they are more in this collapsed body position, mm -hmm. often, the fearful position. And it makes sense to me. So I'll go back. I'm going to do two things. One, explain mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And the second is, why is it that maybe our thinking is different? Mm -hmm. If you think about it, when I do this slouch position, then I'm really putting my body in a state of almost like the fight-flight-fear response. Oh. I'm protective. But when I put myself in a protective state, it's as if I could say there's a saber-toothed tiger out there. It's danger. At that moment, I don't need to think of the future. I don't need to think of the past. I am as only... Kind of survive yeah. in fear. Now later on, and so that makes my thinking more difficult. So it means that in my when I do in this position, it's more difficult to think abstract thoughts or be. I hate to use the word more rational, but mm -hmm. get a kind of distance on yourself Got it. or on the problem. And it's so interesting. The students practice this skill. They use a device. They put it on their spine, you know, and then they learn this during. They use this during the day. What they observe 
is their thinking is significantly clearer. They can somehow procrastinate, they procrastinate less. They're more productive. Wow. And I had a student just recently who had who has ADHD, and when she really did this, at those moments, she could concentrate much more. She could wow. stay focused. And we really underestimate those issues. So let me ask this. So I'm assuming the little thing you're talking about, is that the upright go or is that okay? No, that's the, that is the device. I mean, One of the devices. It's the best the device though, right? We have used many of them. It's called the upright go too. It has worked superbly for us. So I, I want people just to hear that and I'll link to it in the show notes. The upright go uh, is something I use. I was just telling him because Dr. Dr. Pepper, Eric told me about this years ago. So uh, I've used it, but would you talk about exactly what that little device is? And I, sure. I'll link. And I don't make money. Don't get excited. Nobody makes money off of this. <laughs> but I'll link to it so you can get one. Go ahead. And I want to just clarify that I get no money out of it. Yeah, <laughs> they did give me forty of them. I should be clear when mm -hmm. we did the research. So that's my only donation. Right. That is nothing. But I'm just saying I get no funding for it. Right. It's a device that you put on your spine. And basically, it's a tilt device, mm -hmm. if you think about it. And the software working on your cell phone as an app, I think, works superbly. It takes a little while to adopt it. And what it does is you sit, you identify yourself what is upright, Yep. which is sometimes a problem because you may be like this. Yeah. Already, and assume <laughs> that's to be correct. Yep. And then it takes a little while, sometimes on the location, but you can all work that out easily. Mm -hmm. Then you test it, you bend forward a bit. And then, in this case, the, after five seconds, if you stay collapse for five seconds, it would vibrate on your spine. Yeah. No one around, no shoot out, but nope. now it identifies to yourself, oops, you're slouching. And the real shocking part always is, most of us are totally unaware that we're yep, doing it. That we're doing it, yep. So I love the Upright Go for that this reason. Unaware of. Right, and I love the Upright Go, so I'm gonna link to it so people know, but it's really, it's so easy, you just wear it. I, people don't even see it under your clothes, it's this little thing, and it just gives this little vibration, and you know, it's like, oh, I was slumping. And I also- have to do something about it. Let me interrupt for a second. Yeah, okay? go. So it vibrates, and now you can do a couple of things. You can ask, what are the situations for which I slumped? And they are a number. One, if my vision is difficult, I go forward to look at the screen, for example. Mm. I may need new glasses. Or if I have hearing difficulty, what are you saying? <laughs> or I mean, yep. or I am, you know, usually sitting at the computer, my ergonomics, those mm. means you need to solve those. Then if I'm tired, when I get tired, I tend to slouch. So if it vibrates and mm. you're tired, either take a nap. Get right. up for a moment, stretch, wiggle, and move. Unimportant what you do, mm -hmm. you come back. Or I have hopeless, helpless thoughts, depressive thoughts. The moment I have a set of depressive thoughts, the body reacts almost automatically to it like this. Oh, in the slump. Oh. In the slump without knowing. And so then if, you, if that is for you, that's how it works. Then you identify those thoughts, and then you combine that by changing your body posture. Mm taking your breath and breathing lower. And you can also start changing the language you're using, how you're thinking about something, the kind of wow. behavior, the reframing. And so the during the, and then finally as women, it often slouches when you cross your legs. Ah. The moment a woman crosses their legs. Yeah, you, you, you come in, girls, yep. And we often do those body movements without any awareness. Yep. We do this often as a defense reaction. And even that kind of slouching we do 
for some women, especially when you go through puberty, is a kind of protective way to go like, you know, sure. protect Cover your chest, not yeah. shown, minimize yourself. And, yep. And now you're asking the students or young people or older, slightly mm -hmm. older adults to really sit, be almost be proud of themselves, to sit tall, quietly, all centered, but they're tall. But it means they, in some sense, they're metaphorically exposed. Mm. That's how it feels inside. Right. However, you are much more in a powerful, calm position. Oh, oh. And I want to make a couple comments. One, oh, so good. So one is if you know, anyone listening who has depression, even, you know, to really think about using something like an upright go to, and I think it, I think it was $75 when I bought mine, which was That's a while right. ago. Is that about right? Um, I've had it for a long time, but uh, now I want the two. I was like, I think I have the one. Uh, the same oh, okay. Uh, but if you think about it, if you have it, what a great way to remind yourself because that might be, and you can really notice because one of the hardest things is to notice when your thoughts start to go a little haywire, right? So to catch that really early through your posture and your body. Oh my gosh, I love. And then the other thing is, you know, when I'm thinking of like when my Max was in high school and he, he, everyone knows he barely, he just graduated, thank God. But when he was in high school, he used to sit slumped a lot when he was doing his work. You know, he would be and complaining bitterly. He didn't do well in school. He didn't like the work. He was, he was not a happy schoolwork guy. And what we used to, I used to do, and of course, and as parents will often come up and go, are you okay? You know, oh, what's going on? It's like, well, this math, it really sucks. And we're like, no, it's okay. You know, we start reasoning, but people can't reason. You know, if you think about that slump posture, they're not going to the thinking part of the brain. The prefrontal cortex isn't lit up. They, they're not in that space. So what I used to do with Max was say, you know what, let's just take a quick break. Let's go play, uh, let's go shoot some hoops. And we would play horse, Right. Because you're looking up, you know, you had taught me this many, many years ago. And I thought, how can I get him, first of all, to just to move, just to change, but also to be looking up. And then when he was looking up, we'd be shooting these baskets as he creamed me. Um, and I would then say like, hey, what do you want to do about your math? And sure enough, he's like, I don't know, I guess maybe I'll just do one chapter a day or, I'll, you know, he suddenly had ideas for, and it, it was magical, like literally magical. And so I do want to tell people there's even that kind of practical application with your kids or with yourself when you're working on something and you're at your desk and you can't break through. Or if I'm writing and I have a little writer's block, I immediately, it's like my, my first, like, how am I sitting? Where am I? And I have a lot of tricks here at my desk. I was telling her earlier, we'll talk about tech and what to do in your work environment later, but I have a lot of little things to make sure that I'm in a pretty good space. And I am, I am super productive generally when I sit at this desk and don't have those problems. But I am also wondering, I have to ask, I never thought to ask this. What about most people when they're in prayer, they are in that kind of, and I guess because we're supposed to be atoning our sins or thinking about what we did wrong. But it's sort of interesting to me that the prayer position is more like a fetal position or like a, you know, if I think of that. Well, you, there are different ways you could collapse. You can slouch. You can slouch. In prayer, technically, it is not that I'm collapsing. I bring my hands together. Technically, my chest would be open, so my heart. Ah, okay. So my heart's open. Okay. Yeah. You know, if I think about it, and then it's in, in a kind of, not submission, but in a certain way to a higher being mm -hmm. above us. Okay. And, we, and so, in fact, when you do, really do prayer from my perspective, in a spiritual way, then you are not looking down. You may be 
quiet because you're looking down. When you look down, like I'm doing right now, mm -hmm. that's I'm looking more to the floor. But that's ah. like basically I'm relaxing my eyes in yeah. that sense. I'm not really focusing. And inside, I'm I'm almost attuning to something above me mm. in, in a metaphor of a higher power that would come through me. I love that. So actually even think maybe like I do when I meditate of kind of the the string that's coming up my up, back, right. or, up or through my down. head, like a little balloon up there kind of keeping me upright. I love it. So you're looking down, you're tilting your head down. Often you put your hands together, but I can put my hands together. And if you just all do that, you put your hands together, you can do it in two different ways. One is you roll forward and almost you compress your chest and your shoulders go, or the other hand, it's almost you relax your shoulders, you bring your hands together, and the shoulders almost keep widening. Yeah. And it's a totally different quality of being. Yep, it really is. I even think of that uh, with one of my Indian friends who says namaste, and yes. he puts his hands together, but he is very open as he's doing it. It's a very broad, you know, expansive chest thing with his hands up. And it's really a you know a quick kind of bow and then on. Oh, so good, so good. Sorry, I'm just I'm just going off on a tangent, but I had to go there. It suddenly occurred no, to me. It, it's a, it just reminded me of something else. In the Ooh, what? And that is, we all think of a home where you may be hopeless or, or people who have a tendency toward depression or something. Then, if we look at things that are often positive, put the things that are positive slightly higher. Normally, put our pictures of our loved ones on our desks. Oh. Now, what you want to do? Put them above eye level. So without any awareness, <gasps> you look up. Oh, brilliant. And you think of that, and you think of old churches or temples. Almost, I mean, if I think of a Catholic church uh -huh. or the cross is way up. A way up in front of you, yes. And so by definition, and that's what I'm saying in prayer, you may be going down with your head, but in a sense, or in a temple or whatever, you're still, you tend to look up. And you think of these lovely cathedrals or the light coming in. Uh -huh. You know, never just look at the ground. You're looking up at this colorful light. Yeah, stained glass or, yeah. <gasps> so this is another great tip for anywhere that you work or anywhere else. It's, it's funny, I have bulletin boards behind my computer and they are raised. I didn't do that on purpose. I didn't realize. But it's because <laughs> I wanted to see things and I have all kinds of fun little pictures and Things that, and I change it a lot, things that bring me happiness. I hang on these bulletin boards behind my desk. So I am sort of always naturally looking up at them. It never occurred to me, but we could do this on purpose. I love it. What a great yes. idea. So get, your, get your family pictures, people you love, bring them up. Up. Notice the metaphor, they're uppers. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, I love it. And then the second part, I think, all of this is let me go back to that collapsed posture, which yes. is so common now. You know, in fact, if you look at you college students now who are going in, out for athletics, and this is a study, you can now see that their spine is now slightly more curved oh. than ever before. Because how do most of us sit? We spend our time in front of our cell phone yep. texting, which is a downward position, yep. which is the position of kind of powerlessness, hopelessness, if you think about it. Mm. And what do we see nationally over since the pandemic and even before? A significant increase in anxiety and depression. Yep, yep. And posture is a co-factor. I would never say it's the only one. Right. But but I'm intrigued in things you can do yourself. Yeah. And empower. So that leads to the next part, and that is when you're sitting up, you also are automatically have the opportunity to change your breathing pattern. So let me go to breath because mm. this really ties into anxiety, Love even it. depression, and panic attacks. 
you know, and, and, and exhaustion. So if I think of that way, when I collapse and I slouch, basically, if you feel the space that your abdomen contains is really being squashed, if you think about it, mm-hmm. it doesn't yep. squash, it's, it can be compressed. So what that means is that that liquid content pushes up against your diaphragm into your lungs. So if you think about the human body, Mm -hmm. you have the chest, it contains the heart and the lungs. Then there's a big membrane called the diaphragm. That's the muscle for breathing like a dome. And then you have your abdomen, it contains your intestines, your liver and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And at the bottom, you have your pelvic floor, which is another diaphragm, if you think about it. This whole liquid content of your abdomen can doesn't doesn't get compressed really. You can't compress it. But when you now what happens when you look at a baby who breathes? Think mm-hmm. of a baby. Sure. Then when you look at a baby, you realize when a baby is peaceful, not when they're crying per se, but <laughs> when they're peaceful, then you see that they have a big Buddha belly. Oh yeah. And the belly is the only thing that moves. The mm-hmm. lower ribs move. This big Buddha belly moves. The chest doesn't move at all, almost the upper chest. Mm-hmm. Just the lower ribs widen the tiny. And the reason is that if you can now go, how does breathing work? In a sense, breathing occurs because you have this big dome between your abdomen and your chest. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a dome muscle. And then you inhale, it flattens. And that the, but then it flattens it, it pushes down on the on you say your gut mm-hmm. and your stomach. Your stomach has to move out of the way. It can't be ah. compressed. So the only way it can move out of the way is that the bottom, your pelvic floor relaxes a tiny bit. Got it. But that's almost nothing. The lower ribs widen, you go a little bit sideways, and your stomach gets bigger up front. So the better way to think of breathing is that your lungs are not in your chest, but they're like a balloon in your abdomen. Yes, yes. And if you do that, that's really, think of how a baby breathes. Mm -hmm. Or just look to the side if you have a dog or a cat who's lying peacefully on their side. And when they're lying there, you just see that their stomach is going in and out. Yeah, yeah. And that is a kind of optimum effortless breathing. And now we and now think if I'm really upright, then I have create basically more space. Just feel feel it inside. Really let yourself slouch and make like a letter C. Almost that your bottom part of your ribs is almost touching your pubis almost. You know, you're you oh, really, wow. notice now try to take a big breath in your stomach. And you can't, can't I can't do it. it. <laughs> you have to go in your chest. Yeah. Now now arch up. Now you have created this whole frontal openness. You have elongated the front massively. Mm. And now when you inhale, now it's easy. It's much easier. Yeah. So notice even breathing is massively affected. And we have really underestimated the power, how breathing is the one of the major contributors or cofactors for health. Wow. It's a breath of life. You know, uh-huh. you name it. Yep. Uh, and one and of the things just before you go on that I have people do often is put a hand on their chest and a hand on their stomach and take a nice breath in. and your hand on your chest should not move. And just the hand on your stomach would be expanding as you breathe in and contracting as you breathe out. And just to do that a couple of times to see what quote unquote more proper breathing is, because I can't tell you how many people don't realize that. And one of the things you taught me, and I want you to talk about before you go on, is how when we're breathing out of our chest, our brain thinks, I think that we're about to fight or that we're- Okay, so could you talk? Oh, you maybe you're already going there. Do, Sorry. Let me, let me do one step. Before oh, do that. step before. Go ahead. Okay, basically, again, as a podcast, I would say if you're at home, stand up for a moment. So you stand up. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, and then what you do is you just put your hand on your chest and mouth and take a very deep breath, just as Abby said. Take a very deep breath without thinking about it. 
And most people, and now breathe that way and now exhale. Now do it one more time. Yeah. And now ask yourself, when you breathe that way, when you inhale, did you feel yourself getting taller and bigger? Mm-hmm. And when you exhale, did you feel yourself getting smaller and getting oh. shrinking? If, if your answer is yes that way, you're breathing dysfunctionally. Yeah, I don't think that happened. Yeah, yeah. You okay. didn't do that. Yeah, I didn't. I was like, nope, that's not what happened. You breathe in your stomach. I would say when we do this, 90% of the people will tend to breathe that way. And they, because what they're doing is almost like power. I'm puffing up my chest. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and in the extreme sense, when I do that, if you just do this exaggeratedly, really, you know, puff up your chest, you almost feel you're pulling your stomach in at the same time. Oh, you're right. Oh, totally. But notice what you're doing. When your stomach comes in, what happened to that muscle, the diaphragm? It went up. It reduces the volume in my lungs. Oh. Now I do all this extra work in my upper chest. Wow. Muscles and neck. And no wonder if I breathe, this is a way exaggerated way. And if I breathe in this habitually, I end up having neck and shoulder tightness. Yep. I get much more fatigue because my body isn't in red alert. I breathe. I, you know, when you get fearful, what happens when you're fearful? When danger occurs, you go. <gasps> yep. It's all you up here. You and hold here. You tighten your gut. You should because the animal could attack you and your gut is soft and therefore you want to protect it. Oh, <laughs> is that why that happens? Oh, that's so great. Okay. Sorry. And it's even more so, think about it, how many of the people who have anxiety, depression, or any cognitive issues, even ADHD, even autism, at the same time have GI distress, oh, gastrointestinal yeah. problem. It's the, one of the most common cofactors. Mm-hmm. And now think about it. If I tend to breathe more in my chest and I hold my abdomen tight, you could say from an evolutionary perspective and biological perspective, I'm putting my body in a state basically of fear, even though I may not be fearful, but basically in wow. a, or fight flight. Mm-hmm. But from the from a perspective of some Polsky at Stanford, and I happen to totally agree with that, when your body gives that response, this one I just we just did, mm-hmm. this gasp hold, why should your body at that moment digest food? Why should it repair itself when you're going to become someone else's lunch? Oh, right. Wow. And once you see it that way, that this is an old evolutionary pattern that allowed us to survive, but now we activate it too often, then all of a sudden my digestive system slows down. That's clearly seen. You know, you get these problems. And when you breathe mainly in your chest and the abdomen doesn't move, it has a major effect upon your digestive systems. Let me talk about that. Yes, because how many people are listening who have digestive issues or something that go and it, we're trying all these medicines and things to deal with it, and it's so you can repair so much with your posture and breathing. It's unbelievable. You know, okay, we have had so many. I mean, I was working, gosh, this summer with a, a woman who was referred by a psychiatrist, and she has severe panic and anxiety and for years gastrointestinal problems irritable bowel mm-hmm. kind of feelings yep we taught her simply how to change her breathing by the next week her, her abdominal pain had disappeared oh oh my god and we see that with my students that's one of the major pieces that improve it isn't the wow. only one there's human biome there are other fans so sure so, so it, nothing is that simple and why not do this first yeah. so let me explain we think of breathing as gas exchange. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. You know, we get oxygen in, carbon dioxide goes out. That's mainly what we do. And if you're in medicine, you think of how much do the airways constrict, mm-hmm. like in asthma or stuff, or with people that emphysema, how much of the alveoli, that's the last part, are non-elastic. But that, okay. you know, but that's mainly what people look at. What people forget is that breathing is the major pump to promote circulation in your abdominal area in your GI tract. Makes sense. Because what happens is, if I'm standing in the vertical position, when I inhale, the diaphragm, that's a dome, would go down. That means the abdominal muscles around the abdomen need to be able to loosen up a little bit, expand, so the interabdominal pressure is reduced. Therefore, it gives the opportunity for the veins to fill up with blood. Mm-hmm. It gives the opportunity for the lymph vessels to fill. Now, when I exhale, I squeeze all this, so it's a natural pump. Oh. And that's how circulation occurs in your abdomen. It all, circulation always occurs. However, it really enhances. And even for women who want to be, who want to be pregnant and have difficulty with pregnancy, the data supports that those who learn this lower breathing, their fertility goes up and they have more wow. success in the pregnancy. Amazing. Amazing. You know, but, but when you think about it, it's not so crazy. Right. Well, it's, that, it now, sounds so simple, but... It's we are elegantly created. I mean, yes. it's such a smart system we have. Wow. But now you can ask the question, why is it that so many of us in the earlier exercise just breathe in our chest habitually? Yeah. Well, yeah why, why is, is that? that? <laughs> well, there are many reasons. One, a fear response, which we talked about earlier, the fight, flight, fear response. Mm-hmm. And that we have learned in an afterbirth condition, we don't even know we trigger it. It's like mm-hmm. classical conditioning. That's one. Two, you had abdominal surgery. As a man, maybe a hernia repair, a woman's cesarean, or abdominal insults. I mean, no. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Oh, wait, your sound went out a little. Say it again. So when, if you have surgery mm-hmm. and then it's the stitches go in, okay. then if you pull on that, on the tissue, okay. it hurts. So yeah. you learn without any awareness not to move that area. So if you had an abdominal surgery, then you learn not to move it. It's either oh. stays out or in. Okay. There's no movement. So that is the second one. The third one I would say is alcohol designer's gene syndrome. It is our clothing because we're wearing a corset. Oh, <laughs> basically, you know, and you know, guys, I mean, for any for women, but guys, it's obvious, it's a little easier to explain. 
you know, often you go to a restaurant and you're eating, you feel too full, you undo your upper button and pull your zipper down a little bit. Nobody knows that. And all of a sudden you can bubble out and you feel better. Mm -hmm. Yep. But that means that if you do that and you feel better, it really means that the diaphragm can finally go down a bit in breathing. Oh. So, so clothing is a much bigger factor than you think. And I'll go back in that in a moment. Okay. An illness called neuroasthemia, if you remind me. Okay. okay. I feel like you're going to tell then, me to get rid of my Spanx. So I, I now yeah. I'm now I'm getting yes, upset. Eric, now I'm getting so upset. Now we, we I do a lot of the things you say, but I don't know about my Spanx. But I'm going to I'm going to put it in reserve. <laughs> I'll talk about that in a moment. About the I totally agree. Uh, and the and the other one is just self-image. We live in a culture you know, where, especially for women, but even some for men who wear, who wear you know, waist trimmers, uh -huh. slimmers, that our self-image says, I need to hold my abdomen in. I need to be flat. Who would ever want to date me? Let's be honest, right? Mm -hmm. I, my self-image. So I pull this in, but that means my diaphragm can go down. But when the muscle still wants to go down, mm. it's lifting the ribs, and then I have to breathe up in my upper chest. Wow. And that is exhausting. So no wonder that you people then sigh a lot. So almost everybody who does many, many sighs mm. are breathing predominantly in their chest. Okay. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. And that's also why you're then exhausted, I guess, as that's the right. day because, wears on. Oh. Yes. Oh. So it's really a nice system in a certain way. Now going back in the humorous way about the Spanx, <laughs> but I think... Totally, he's I'm, he's coming for my Spanx people. I don't know, but go ahead. I, I understand. You know, I know. No I adore you. Well, let's just go there. <laughs> I learned a long time ago. You don't ever tell anybody how to dress in a certain way. But we like, had many people, oh. in fact, especially now with the post-pandemic, you know, fifteen-pound increase or ten-pound increase, that people get more anxious. Now, why would you get anxious with a fifteen-pound increase? Well, I put the same clothing on. Now the same clothing is really a little bit tighter, but I didn't really buy any new clothing. I wear the same. So now I'm wearing a waist constrictor without <gasps> knowing it. Oh. Okay. And this is, in fact, an illness which was described early on in the late 19th century called neuroasthemia. Oh. Neuroasthemia was an illness that mainly was suffered by upper class women in the late oh. 18th and the early 19th century. I can read your lips. Oh, I I'm like the corsets. <gasps> yes. That's why they all had hysteria. That's why all Correct. Freud's women had and hysteria. Were, and the oh. women were the weaker sex, remember? Uh-huh. See that way. And they were medicalized, they were operated on, they get suffered. It was it was truly mainly due that they wore tight corsets. And all of you, if you don't feel how it is, put your hands around your lower waist, really squeeze it in, or if you have a belt, really make it so tight. Squeeze uh, it so hard, and then notice when you breathe, you can only breathe in your upper chest. Oh, yeah, little gasps. And if you do that kind of gasping, you still get enough oxygen, but you start blowing off a lot of carbon dioxide because the frequency increases of breathing. Now your carbon dioxide pH increases. And what does and that now, do? What happens is the oxygen that's bound to the hemoglobin does not want to be given up to the tissue as much. And also, the, you tend to have colder hands. And even the <laughs> and even the coronary arteries will tend to constrict. In the wow! And so you can see a whole sequela of that. And you know, on the very extreme side, you can say that's like hyperventilation, but it's really kind of subclinical part of that. Yeah, part of our culture.
maybe I should do a little exercise to experience that. Okay. Ooh, I'm ready. It's not always, it's not quite the same, but similar. So what I, in a moment I'm going to ask you to do is to inhale normally and breathe normally, and then only exhale about 60% of the inhaled air. So you inhale, however much you inhale, then you exhale 60% of the volume, then you inhale again, exhale 60% of the volume, inhale. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, I already don't like no, that. Just start it for everybody. <laughs> just do it, do it for a short time. Okay. So like, And I'll keep using the words just because we are on the air. Yeah. Okay. And so just start breathing in this pattern. So you inhale, you exhale 60% of the previous inhaled air. Keep doing this. Each time that you exhale, exhale much less than you inhale. Keep doing that. Just keep doing that. And just keep doing it. It's possible. Each time you exhale less than you inhale. Each time you exhale less than you inhale. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. I think that's probably enough. Oh. And then I could ask the question, how long was this? It felt like a minute. So long, right? Yeah, it was seconds. Less than 30 seconds. And notice what did you experience? I I started to feel lightheaded. You felt lightheaded? Yeah. Many people feel a sense of pre-anxiety. And I started to feel a little panicky. Yeah. Panicky? Yep. Some people feel the, the heartbeat's going boom, 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 mm-hmm. pulsing. Some people get more pain. Wow. They get lightheaded. They get fuzzy. In 30 seconds of changing your breathing, you can evoke all these symptoms. We've published that many years ago. It was one of the early studies. I'm always so impressed with it because it shows that how breathing can affect your emotions or your, oh, yeah. your state of being almost. Right. And you're unaware of it. Totally unaware of it. Wow. And when I looked at you on Zoom, which people can't see, I couldn't see that you were breathing in a strange way. You breathe for a You're right. Moment. Oh. It wasn't like you're doing a giant sigh and go, mm-hmm. no. Right. I looked at you. I had, I mean, I, I can see it because I'm used to it. Yeah. But basically, you look perfectly normal. Oh. And you just change your breathing a little bit, and all of a sudden, you've triggered that. Wow. And then we, then we get, the, then if we get any of these symptoms, we become, we become fearful. Yeah. We then protect ourselves. That makes it even worse. That now puts ourselves in this hopeless thought sequence. So what can you do instead? (laughs) So let me give one practice, which we have published, that works better than cognitive therapy at that moment. Oh. So let me explain the practice, and then Mm -hmm. we'll guide you through. Get ready. (laughs) This is done with students and also others. You have people sit. They ask them to evoke a stressor in their mind's eye or a problem they need to resolve. And then you ask them to to... you sit there for a moment, and once you have that problem, then you 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 have taught them some cognitive therapy techniques, and you have them try to talk themselves out of it or change it. And then you rate them how successful they are. So that's one group. Okay. The other group, you teach them, all they do is when they think about it, it's the same, but now they just have to, they need to sit up, take one lower breath, and do one or two lower breaths, and then do the cognitive therapy change. Okay. Okay. That's what we didn't do. And then you see it's overwhelming that the ones who do the cognitive, who do the body, incorporate the body mm-hmm. with the cognition are massive. I could even, let me, if I pull up my article, I'll pull it up because we published mm-hmm. the people's quotes are massively different. And we have them do both. So it's, it's a within subject uh-huh. control with large groups right. of people. It just blows your mind away when you do that, you know? Wow. I'm, I'm time and time impressed 
If you give me one second, I'll read one or two of their codes. Good. I'd love to hear it. So, because so people can access, I talk about this, you know, their prefrontal cortex, obviously easier so that you can, you know, really think something through and have a different reframe for something that you normally didn't. You got it. So the, 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 the problem is the same. The way you're, the ability to deal with it shifts totally. Wow. You know, and literally this is true for 95% of people. Oh my gosh. You know, if I read, let me, oh yeah, let me hear a couple. Yeah. Okay. This is the same person just by doing the, the, essentially the, the, only the cognitive reframing versus right. the other. Okay. After changing my internal language, I still strongly felt the same thoughts. Okay. I instantly felt better about my situation after adjusting my posture. Wow. Another That's great. Wait, just stay right there. Unbelievable. So for anybody who tries to do any of the cognitive behavioral stuff, when we talk about that, that's like the reframing. You know, when you try to think something through, well, is this really the worst thing ever? Why am I saying always? Whatever you're doing to reframe, that if you took, and these people took two breaths first, is that what you said? Or, they, or they, sat they, up they, straighter they, first? They, they have the, the stressor basically before, yep. then they shift their posture by sitting the posture. upright, yep. look up, do one or two breaths low, do one or two That's breaths it. lower, and then do the cognitive. And then do it. And then, so for anybody listening who's having trouble, because I hear this one all the time, you know, your brain gets kind of hijacked, for lack of a better term. And to do something physical to, quote unquote, unhijack it for a moment so you can remember that great tool I taught you or really think, really feel different and not just have a different thought. It's that's because really that's the whole reason you do it. The reframing is to feel different, not to think, you know, thinking different is great, but if you don't feel different, who cares? <laughs> you yeah, want to feel better. Two more. Yeah, let me hear. I'm, I'm, I continue to be so impressed. Here's the second one. I have hundreds of these. After changing my internal language, I still strongly felt the same. I said that already, sorry. I felt a slight boost in positivity okay. and optimism. The negative feelings, anxiety from the negative thoughts also diminished slightly. That is doing the cognitive frame because they're yes. But what did, what did they feel? The effects were much stronger and not isolated mentally. I, fe- I felt more relief in my body as well. Oh, there you go. So to actually feel relief and feel yeah. different. Amazing. Oh, here's another one. This is thinking on the cognitive one. I, you know, I began to lift my mood up. However, it didn't really improve my mood. I still felt a bit bad afterwards and my thoughts still stayed the same. Okay. Now doing combining the breathing and posture and breathing plus cognitive movement. I began to look up from the floor and toward the board. I felt more open, understanding and loving. I did not allow myself to let go down. Wow. You know. I love these. And it is something I've talked about a lot on the podcast before, how we want to do something first that sort of, that shifts the physical and then go to the, all the psychological that we've been taught. And that really is one of the keys to being able to truly make a change. And especially if you're listening and you've ever had trouble, you've gotten the tools, you get told what to do, but they don't seem to be quote unquote working or don't work consistently to really think of this. All you would do, you know, I think Angela Duckworth calls it the Superman pose, you know, to sort of put your chest back, you know, really have a nice frame there. I always picture again, like a string going up to the sky like a balloon that I'm tethered to that's just sort of holding me gently, really upright and holding my my neck up, you know, everything up 
Like I can kind of feel it even as I do it now because I've been doing it so long. So, and you're not, you don't put your head back necessarily. So you're just, it's just an upward feeling. Uh, I wish that really worked on my gels, but anyway, it's just this upward feeling. And then to really have that kind of open posture, again, palms up even that kind of way to just do, no matter where you are, you're sitting, you're driving, you're whatever, you just do this and then take a couple breaths, right? Where we're maybe even just put your hand, one hand on your chest and one hand on your stomach. You can do it that way. You could do the straw breathing I've talked about before, which I'm going to have Eric talk about right now, but just taking a couple breaths and then try it. Totally change your life. Change your life. I'm totally agreeing. And what I would say is when you're sitting up and you already alluded to that, you don't tilting your head up. Yeah, and now when your chin be exposed, it's really you bring the back of the head up. Back of the head. And as if your neck is going back and then you let your shoulders relax. So it's not being in super power, man. No. But you're standing up and open in a relaxed, solid mm -hmm. pose. Yeah. And then allowing your abdomen to widen in 360 degrees. Mm -hmm. So when the air comes in, it gets bigger. Then it takes in the vertical position, it takes a little bit of work initially. You can exaggerate to do the exhalation. Let the exhalation be very slow. Exhale slower and longer. In that sense, you can blow through a straw, as, as Abby has all taught you, very slowly. Ideally, you want to probably keep breathing through your nose in yeah. time. But right. it's easier to begin the control by breathing through your mouth or make a, a very soft sound like shh. Mm. When you make a sound like that, shh, where you compress, you know, where your tongue comes makes a tiny opening and when you do that you can almost feel when you do this when you exhale you can feel your anus almost tightening a little bit mm. like your pelvic floor tightens wow. and your abdomen tightens and then when you stop exhaling you almost relax the anus the area you have, but let it just widen by itself and the air will then flow in without any effort so in the vertical position Amazing. Inhalation should have no effort, which is the opposite of most people experience. Yes. Because basically gravity is going to do the work. If you're standing, oh. gravity wants pulls, wants to pull everything down. Right. So if you relax the muscles around your abdomen, the whole abdomen will bubble out by itself. Air will just be rushed in. It's almost like the iron lung model. Mm -hmm. And then when you exhale, you have to bring this liquid content back against the diaphragm, which acts, you know, which yep. brings it back up to let the air go out. I love it. And and then you breathe very easily and think, you know, you can count on the exhalation, maybe the count of four or five, you know. Mm -hmm. I should start exhaling. One, two, three, four. You almost pause. There's no rush. Mm -hmm. Then allow the air to come back in and feel it almost in your lower abdomen, mm -hmm. getting soft and warm. That's and then, beautiful. You know, and then keep yep. doing the cycle. And then if you took your pulse, you would see that you would get a rhythm. That's called heart rate variability. Oh, and that's so, the biggie. <laughs> that is, yes. I think if you can just do the breathing, forget about heart rate variability. Yep. If you do this slowly, but it really works well. And then, you know, but people can experience that. For example, heart rate variability. Put your fingers against your throat, against the carotid artery, or against your pulse on the radial artery. It makes no difference. Easier up And here. now for a moment, take a big breath in. Hold it for a sec. And now let it go. Very slow, let the air flow out. Now take another big breath in. And then slowly let it go out. 
you know, what some of you or many of you will observe is, you know, is that when you inhale your heart rate by that yep, little, little bit and down on the and exhale. Then the, the heart rate quickened and then you exhale the heart rate slow. That is the heart rate variability. Mm -hmm. And if you breathe about six breaths a minute, you enhance this rhythm, but it's really a balance of sympathetic parasympathetic activity. Or you Beautiful. could say, when I get scared, think about it. I get scared, I gasp. My heart rate is higher. Uh -huh. at this point. Right. And then I keep breathing shallowly, so my heart rate never goes down. Yes. So I stay in this alarm reaction. So if I could now feel safe and exhale. Right. And then people practice this kind of breathing. They allow their belt to be looser. They have to undo <laughs> their Spanx. I'm sorry to pay for you. Or I don't know, whoever. If I can keep my stilettos on. I'll be okay with this. Okay. You can keep your stilettos okay, on. Okay. Okay. I have, I have some rules I just have to keep. But okay. so, so there's a, so just doing this, you know, in this short, way. I think that's the thing I really want people to hear is this doesn't take a long time. I do the breathing stuff all the time. It's why I have the straw on my desk. <laughs> Literally, I had it on my desk as I was talking because it's something I practice between clients or, you know, just during the day to just enhance, you know, turning on that parasympathetic nervous system and really that, again, that long, slow exhale and when I use the straw breathing, I breathe in through my nose, you know, and then I breathe out through the straw. And so if you think about, you know, yourself anywhere, you, you can always breathe. So you can be in the middle of a meeting and your boss can be yelling at you and you can stop and you can breathe for a minute. You can check your posture. You, these are things you can do with lots of people around and no one has to know. And you can calm yourself enough to then think like, oh, how should I react to my boss? What should I be? What could I be saying? What's that thing Abby said on the podcast? Or what's what did Dr. Pepper let me know? That's how you're able to do that and not feel so panicked. And if you already have any kind of anxiety or panic disorder or depression or any of these things, it's it's just exacerbated. I mean, we all have it. If someone attacks us, we yeah. we it doesn't matter. You know, you <laughs> feel something. We're human. But if you have something that's exacerbating the condition, it, it all the more reason why, again, I'm having this episode to really talk about these two things that you can change today. Today. You don't have to wait. You don't have to take a special course. You don't have to do anything. You can do more to learn, but you can change it today. And I, I do want you to if you could just, I know when, when we breathe in versus when we breathe out, what happens to, cause a lot of times people are very focused on the breath in, but the that breath actually breath. excites. Yes. And the breath yes. out is what relaxes. In Can fact, you if you monitor the vagal excitation of the heart mm -hmm. when you, and you start inhaling, the vagus tends to pull away that cause the heart rate to increase. Mm -hmm. And then you now exhale, the vagal activity goes back to the heart and cause the heart rate to slow down. So you in fact, and remember, 80% of the fibers from the vagus don't go from the brain down. They go from the body up. up. There you go. <laughs> so basically, our bodies is telling our brain what we feel and not the other way around. Yep. Yep. Think of that. Say perfect. that again. So our bodies are telling our brains how to feel. So yeah. again, if you really want to change how you're feeling, change your body. You can change your body in these super simple ways, in these really simple ways. And if I think about like an athlete getting ready to do a race, right? They're breathing in it like, <gasps> you know, they're kind of like breathing in and getting excited to do this race, which often happens. And and then I think of someone being trying to be calmer. And you think of that kind of low, slow exhale. So just even common sense in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, I think I can see how people use their breathing differently depending on what your activity is. 
Yes. And if you feel sleepy and tired, then you may want to breathe more quicker. Inhale, mm -hmm. you'll get more awake. And if you're too hyper, then you bring yourself slower. But the key is what you just point out you want to do during the day. You want to observe where you shallow breathe and where you tend to hold your breath without awareness. Yes. And we hold our breath so often. So maybe let me do a little exercise with people on being aware of breath. Uh -huh. There are hundreds of these. You, I could have you, if you all just stand up, stand up for a moment. It's easier to do it. <laughs> Standing and up. Sit down again. And most likely, many of you held your breath. Ah. But, but what you really did is you gave an alarm reaction. I got to perform. <gasps> I got to get up. You need to perform. Mm. And in that, you tighten all the inappropriate muscles. If, on the other hand, if there's another thing, especially for chronic pain, that's why it's really critical. If you have hip pain, knee pain, unimportant, then what you want to do, if I need to get up from the chair, what I want to do is I want to learn breathing lower and slower. That reduces the sympathetic activation. It will quiet the trigger points, which will give referred pains. So that's wow. When you do that. <clears throat> and second, so now when I want to get up, I want to inhale normally in my stomach. My stomach gets bigger. Then I very much let my shoulders almost relax. I start exhaling. And then once the relaxation and the exhalation starts, only then do I do the movement. So when I did it, I'm starting, wow. I'm going to say, I'm not inhaling. And then I start exhaling. And I that standing will be less effortful. And if you have hip pain, you'll find the hip pain and knee pain be significant. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. <clears throat> And we all, <laughs> I we're, we only have a few minutes left, so I want to go to. Oh my God, so helpful, so helpful. Can we can we just wrap up? So I read Eric's last book, <laughs> or what, when it first came out. I think that was over, about a year ago, right? Is that right? It's almost it's almost two years ago. To oh, two years ago. Okay, I'm like I read that a while ago. Okay, it was called Tech Stress, and it was the technology hijacks our lives, strategies for coping and pragmatic ergonomics. Right. So I'll link to his book in the Charlotte's because it really is so, so good. But will you give us just on the way out, like some tips about like, so I was telling Eric before we sat, you know, I have a standing desk and I sit on this special little cushion to keep my hips kind of moving. And I, so my head, I, I don't ever cross my legs at my desk and I have an upright mouse and I make sure that my computer screen is level with where I'm looking. So I'm not up or down, right? When I'm doing my work, I have all these things that I've learned from him and others to make sure that my ergonomics or I have a really expensive chair that I have armrests, like things that I can really, uh, that are really good for me to sit on, not some cheap office chair. And so these are all pieces, but Will you talk about like that, you know, th this is to me like some of the physical, but we can do things with our body and our, our breathing when we're at work too, when we're, cause we're all on zoom a lot. <laughs> so basically, but all everybody experiences so many people, we don't publish studies on this, like zoom fatigue, they get exhausted mm -hmm. and tired. And part of it is that we look at the screen. The screen is very nearby. It's 18, 20 inches. Yep. We focus on that. Go, but if you think as we described in the book, an evolutionary perspective, think of the human being as a hunting and gathering. We were outside, we looked at the far distance for animals, for, for danger, for friends. Then we looked nearby, so our eyes continually alternated, looking at the far distance and near distances. Mm -hmm. So what we don't realize is when we look at the screen, our eyes have to converge, our lens 
the muscular muscle endolence contract. And now we can only focus at that distance. But muscles aren't made, are not designed to stay under constant tension. Oof. That leads to our problem. So you need to alternate movements. So what you want to do simply at the screen, if you look look outside from a look at the tree, just for an instant, look at the far distance. Or when you're walking outside, don't look at the ground. Look at some set of treetops or at the roofs. Look at the far distance. The moment you look at the far distance, the eyes relax. Oh, I love it. And now what you see with young children is we've seen an epidemic increasing in myopia, nearsightedness. Wow. So since the pandemic, we have a significant increase of young children getting needing becoming nearsighted needing glasses because basically as a little child they look look at all you go to a restaurant what do you see the parents give the child for babysitting at the restaurant their cell phone what is the distance of that cell phone now Uh, the eyes are still developing they're growing so now that becomes a new focal axis and the eye changes literally but that's a disaster as we get older because if you become extreme myopic we get a much more possibility to patch retinas and others. That's oh, mine. Other crazy things. So literally you, so simple. Just like I have these beautiful win- I have these beautiful windows here in my office. I can just look away. I tend to get up and go, there's a balcony here and I tend to walk outside and be on the balcony and just sort of look. I can see the bridge. It's very nice. And then I come back in. I do that between all my clients. I do that pretty much routinely all day if I'm working. Um, so it's not just the sitting up and sitting down. You know, if you have a standing desk, great, but really thinking about where you're looking. Love it. Give me give me one more of those. The second one. <laughs> you're lucky because you, you're, you have been able to arrange your whole office very nicely for you. And, but even if you get the perfect chair, I want to be safe, it will give you the opportunity to sit correctly. It doesn't mean you will. Right. So then you also have to learn to become aware how you, that's where biofeedback of anything is so useful. You can monitor the person's shoulders, how they're using their mouse or the keyboard. And many people unknowingly, the moment they, they put their hands on the keyboard, they raise their shoulders. Raise their they're shoulders. But let me give us an example, how we are unaware. If you stand up for, stand up for a sec, and then what I'd like you to do is bring your left hand, just let the arms just hang. And now bring your right arm outward, just one inch, just one inch, very little. And let it drop back, relax, just your right arm only. Bring it outward about one inch, or you took about three inches. I took too way. much. Very little, just lift okay. it a little bit that way. I got the it. Body. Do it one more time. Great. Okay. And where did you notice the tension of the In my back. Yes. And now what I'd like you to do is put your your left hand on your deltoids. That is just the muscle just above the shoulder. So all the way around, let it come off the hand, relax. Or do the other hand, which you were you I'm at, I'm at my uh my mic. Hi guys. Okay. <laughs> and so let the arm relax again. Okay. Now feel this muscle as the arm is relaxed. Mm-hmm. The delta should be really soft. Yeah. And now start bringing it out just an inch. Oh yeah, I feel it there. And you had no idea you tightened that muscle no. when you brought the arm out. No. That is what happens for people at the computer time and time again. So the first rule is, is the one you have said many times already. Get up, wiggle, and move. <laughs> yeah, the more you do this, then the muscles relax. Yep. Because if you, a muscle, when they tighten, 20%, the blood flow through the tissue is reduced by 80%. Oh. And so... So, it, and then can't really regenerate. And, and, and so if you can let it relax and it regenerates. Let me do that by another example as we're sitting. Just for a moment, just lift your knee up an inch so your foot is an inch away from the floor. 
you can do that, right? Mm -hmm. Just hold the, your knee one, only do one knee. Okay. <laughs> hold it up. And as you're doing that, very soon you're starting to feel some discomfort in the hip flexors. Yep, right. Yep. In your lower, you know, right in your thigh, hip area, yep. right? How long do you can you hold the, your knee up this way? You think? Not as long as I'd like. <laughs> Not going to give up now, right? I, I, I just put it down. <laughs> yes. Well, if I paid you a lot of money, you would do it. Yeah, I would do it long. However, it's the same muscles which you activate when you go walking. So when I walk outside, I activate that same muscle. But oh. why don't I get that fatigue? Yeah. Because I, when I walk, I tighten the muscle for a moment to bring the leg forward. Then I relax if the leg goes back. So it can tighten and relax. Okay. That's what we need to do at the computer to our muscles to our arms. Okay. Tighten and relax. Yes. I remember you know, this. And, and, and you have to really be relaxed. And some people think they're relaxed. And we have lots of evidence for it. <laughs> <laughs> and the final piece on this is, which I, you know, we've given many examples in the mm -hmm. book of what one can do yep. and the physiology for it and the practical exercises, is that the pandemic changed or aggravated something that was already occurring, that most people use a laptop for working. And right. when you use a laptop, there's no way to win. I use a laptop too, by the way. So, but here, because when you have a laptop, if you want to bring your hands to the keyboard and they're comfortable the laptop needs to be almost on top of your knees where the keyboard right. should be right but that means that the screen is too low so it means i'm putting myself in this collapsed down position which then evokes what we talked earlier in the program mm -hmm. the hopeless helplessness or negative qualities just the tight neck and shoulders and on the other hand if i put the screen at the right height which you have done you've adjusted the screen now you can sit up, but now I would have to bring my hands with me. And that's right. very uncomfortable. And right. I get shoulder pain. So the simplest rule for this for most people is either get an external keyboard. Yep. And use and raise your screen of your laptop so it's at eye level the top, or get an external monitor and then use your keyboard of your laptop as the keyboard. Yep. Or what I have done, if you look at my setup. I have my laptop on the side, that's my computer, but I have an external keyboard, which is in front of me, which in mm -hmm. fact is split so my hands can go sideways. Mm -hmm. And I have an external monitor so I can look at you and I can see your smile <laughs> and your eyes. And I'd like you really connecting and talking with you. Yes, time. I love this at home because I and I try not to work at home very much because of this, but I do have an external keyboard and external mouse, all the things. And then I have a stand, and I will link to that in the show notes, everybody. I have, it's I like a $20 stand I got on Amazon. It's this little collapsible thing, and it raises, I open the laptop, and it raises it completely at my eye level, depending on where I am. I have one sitting on my desk. Oh, you do. There you go. <laughs> so I use that, and it and it's so easy and collapsible. I can bring it, like if I work at Starbucks, I could bring it. Like it, it's, it's, it's so easy to have, but... Uh, for me, yeah, I've really spent so much time and energy because most people, I think, at work tend at home tend to work from like a kitchen table or just their couch, like places that are really not meant. And I know when you're young, you can do that, but I'm going to tell you right now, as you no, get older, it is not is not good, you know, in, in so many ways. But I, you know, and I really want to just end with. One of the things you taught me probably 20 years ago now was just to, to be super aware of my shoulders all the time, being down. Because even when I drive, you know, you put your hands on the wheel and your shoulders go up. And when I'm brushing my teeth, right, my shoulders are up. Like, 
I am amazed at how often my shoulders are up. And so I spend, a, I mean, so much of my day checking my shoulders <laughs> and I just trying to put them sort of back, relaxed. And for me, because I do so much computer work, you know, I'm writing and, and I'm always forward. Uh, and I have wonderful chiropractors, thank God, who do something called active release technique. But they, you know, really, we do a lot of expansion, you know, bringing things back because I have so much that's curled forward. So I'm always, and any of us who are at the computer, the way I think a lot of us are now, you are in that way. And even if I'm on my cell phone, <laughs> which I try not to do forever, I try to hold it up to my eyes. So I, I'll sit in a way and my arms get tired, which is good. Let's me know I should be off the cell phone. Uh, I try to bring it up to my face and not down looking at it. So even if you last thing you hear today is that, oh, when I'm on my cell phone, I try to raise it. So I'm not curled down, staring down with that downward posture. And again, I think of all these studies showing that the longer we stay on Facebook, we get more depressed and things like that. And I wonder how much of it is the posture piece. Yes, I think some of it is that you're looking at people's lives and they seem better and all the things. But from what I learned from you, I remember, especially when I read tech stress, it really occurred to me like, wow, I've read all this research about how social media, if we're on it for a certain amount of time, makes us more anxious and more depressed. I thought, I wonder if so much of that is actually because of how we're sitting for such prolonged periods of time with our phones. So definitely, and I don't have proof for that, so don't quote me, but but I really want everyone listening to think about raising, if that's the last thing you hear, you know, really, the whole podcast has been about raising up. <laughs> I, would, I would just say most of us, however, we forget is that we are, we are essentially wired from evolution to react to stimuli outside. We're not react. We're not wired to listen inside because for for survival, I need to react to the outside world. And so it's very challenging once you get captured by your work or whatever to to know, in fact, that you are tightened. Right. And so I really recommend people to ideally you want to self-monitor, but you want to condition yourself and practice do these many interrupt programs, yep. interrupt practice. And there's a lovely free program I would recommend called stretchbreak.com. Oh, yeah. Stretchbreak.com. You can install in your computer and it'll you can set the clock on it and it'll remind you to get up and stretch. Yep. Now I know, and maybe I'll end with this example, that for many of us, when we do it, oh, I'm busy, I'll, I'll interrupt myself later. Mm-hmm. I've learned in teaching, when I do this, I have it running in my class, I interrupt myself in the middle of a sentence almost, and I guide the, the whole class through a little excess. Their energy level just goes right up. Yep. And they feel much better. And then I remember a program we did many years ago with employees. And because we, we sort of do corporate programs, and we had this group for eight weeks to teach them ergonomics, to teach them all this, and then including installing this program and doing this. And we had this man, he said, I have no problems. I'm not, I don't want to waste my time doing this. And finally, you know, I persuaded him to do this. He came back the next week and he said, you know, Eric, there's life after five. Oh. And what it really meant was all of a sudden I have much more energy by the end of the day. Yep. I was totally unaware of that. Oh, it's, take these many breaks. 
enjoy having life after fun. I love it. Oh my God, such a great place to end. So where are the where's the best place for people to find you? I love your blog, so you can maybe talk about that. And again, I'll link to all this in the show notes, but um, where's the best place for people to find you? I am. I have a practice on Derby Street in Berkeley, mm-hmm. and I have a, that's described on a website called uh, biofeedbackhealth.org. That's biofeedbackhealth.org. They mm-hmm. can contact me there to make yep. appointments or something. And then I do a blog, which I happen to really like, called pepperperspective.com. It's a one piece, and many of these concepts are included in videos and yep. a little search box. Type it in for irritable bowel. Type it in for tech stress. Type it in for computers. And there are a number of guidelines and it's all free. So that makes it very nice. And that's my purpose. And then I do think the book is really useful. It really is. I'll definitely link to that. It's so good. And all of the things, I read your blog very religiously. um, And I'm on the list for that. And I'm on very few lists. But I, I, and so much of what I've taught on the podcast, I, I, I got from Eric, you know, I, I learned from him. So I, and I just, I, you really should, (laughs) but please don't. Um, (laughs) so, but so thank you. So I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to be on the show. I is so many people are going to get so much help from you. And I, I'm you're you're helping people around the world as we which you already do uh but as we speak and you know my favorite thing when I met Eric was Dr. Pepper I I am just so happy to be able to say Dr. Pepper like come on so it's really it's been a pleasure thank you thank you and I'll make sure everybody knows where to find you Abby thank you so much it was a real pleasure to see you (laughs) look forward to meeting again okay bye-bye Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.